This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Sunday, May 28, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The FBI has long asserted that encryption makes law enforcement more difficult. What the agency doesn't appear to appreciate is how much harder everyone's job would be in a world where encryption is either illegal or compromised. Patrick Eddington details the FBI's long and ongoing war on private communication. Federal law enforcement has a long history of overstating threats, in some pretty pointed cases, uh, pumping up those threats, contributing to those threats in a sense that is contributing to the story that ultimately makes these threats look larger than they are. Uh, and I, I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, encryption functions basically the same way, which is it's an incredibly useful technology for Anything you don't want lots of people to know about and for business, for matters of, uh, of, of extreme personal interest, like your health, um, um, among other things, what is the basic position of the FBI with respect to communications among, between and among people that they would like to keep secret? So this began many, many decades ago, with the FBI claiming that what we basically call public key encryption, you know, whether you're talking about the, the PGP or pretty good privacy standard, uh, or some of the other standards that are used by providers, let's say like Proton Mail and, and so on and so forth. The FBI's position was that they were, quote, going dark, right? That the, the proliferation of this technology was helping criminality to run amok, right? And that position ultimately was not tenable when they were actually forced to try to to come up with numbers to justify these claims of going dark and all the rest of that. And they did, in, in fact, inflate the number of electronic devices that they were allegedly not able to get into. They were claiming it was literally in the thousands. And when they were actually forced to begin to actually get some real numbers on this, it, it turns out that about 87% of the time they can get into a phone if they have it in their possession or a tablet or you know whatever. So that being the case, they have now basically tried to shift their tune and shift the framing to say, well, in order to solve you know, these crimes, we need lawful access. That's the new buzzword now, lawful access. And they say, but we're not talking about back doors. Now, of course, you know, encryption only works if two conditions exist. Number one, the math is correct, right? And the code is correct. And that's that's tough enough. I mean, if you have any kind of, if you use any kind of electronic device today, you know that manufacturers, whether it's, you know, Apple or Google or whoever, they're constantly pushing out software patches. And a lot of the time that that involves security patches because somebody has come to them or they have discovered on their own uh, that there's a hole in the code that bad actors are able to exploit. So it's already difficult enough for people with the best intentions to write the best possible code. Uh, and this idea that you can somehow have a magic key or something like that, that nobody else but the company and law enforcement can get to. That's literally a form of magical thinking. That's exactly where the FBI is trying to take this whole, this whole debate. And in order to 
try to, again, scare the, the bejesus out of people that criminality is running amok. In late April of 2023, they put an announcement in the Federal Register, uh, a so-called data collection, and they were basically going to go out to every law enforcement agency at the state and local level across the country, as well as their, their federal partners, and, and ask them basically how many times encryption has impeded an investigation or otherwise you know, made things more difficult for them. They were not going to ask and are not asking, oh, and how many times were you able to get into the device or how many times were you able to solve the case despite problems? So this data, this so-called data collection, which is being funded at taxpayer expense, which will involve uh, potentially as many as 950,000 respondents and over 50,000 hours um, to complete, um, is allegedly, you know, going to get underway here sometime during the course of, uh, of probably late June or early July. And, you know, I, I brought this to everybody's attention through a piece and reason. And we subsequently filed, you know, public comments, basically taking the FBI to task over this. And they're not making it easy for anybody to file public comments, by the way, you know, it, it's not the usual follow this link in the federal register. Uh, they're just giving you a mailing address. Uh, if you want to, if you want to do this stuff, and they also give you a point of contact phone number, and so I called that number, uh, and the voicemail that I got actually did give me an email address. Uh, why they couldn't have posted that in in the notice, I think, is another very good question. But yeah, there's no question this is about scaremongering uh, and and trying to convince people that encryption is going to lead to the end of the world. So related to that, you said that the the FBI in this case in collecting this information is collecting it in in a one-sided way. That is to say, um, they're only really asking about the degree to which investigations have been impeded uh, versus investigations that were not impeded. I think there's another element here, which is what would this kind of quote-unquote lawful access, which is, whether you like it or not, a backdoor, uh, whether or not that creates risk for large companies based in the U.S. that have trade secrets, for individuals that would be uh, embarrassed or uh, have their own livelihoods threatened because of this keyhole, let's call it, uh, that either good guys or bad guys could use. There's, there's, there is no attempt to balance against the interests of law-abiding people when it comes to encryption. I, I would say, Caleb, that it's actually much worse than that. And in late March, I was on a panel uh, in which this whole issue was discussed, uh, and the FBI's uh, technical branch head, a woman by the name of Katie Noyes, was on there. And this was astounding. I, you know, for the FBI to actually put a physical body. <laughs> out on a public panel to discuss this kind of stuff is, is pretty much unheard of, especially in any kind of remotely adversarial kind of context. And what I struggled to try to get her to understand was that it didn't matter whether she called this lawful access a backdoor or anything else. What they're asking for, is, is, and, and this is also, I think, totally unconstitutional, and I'll get to that question in a second, but what they want the companies to do basically is build defective products, right? Whereby the companies and or the government would have this special key. This would have to be for basically every device imaginable, right? At one level or another for them. And this is the only thing that would satisfy the FBI, some kind of universality, right, to this capability because you don't know whose phone is necessarily going to be used. So that means you have to have the IDs for every single phone that would be manufactured and so on and so forth. 
And what I tried to get her to understand was this. The federal government itself has proven over and over again that it is incapable of protecting its own data. And, and I brought up the fact that, you know, I got my own letter from the Office of Personnel Management in 2015 informing me of, of the data breach that was almost certainly carried out by the Chinese government, um, that my stuff, my information had been compromised, my social, I mean, the whole nine yards. And then later on, I got a separate letter from the Department of Energy, you know, informing me the same thing. And, and I just said to her, look, what you don't understand is that if you insert these vulnerabilities into every available phone, that means that every FBI agent, every DEA agent, and every member of their families that utilize these compromised phones are now potentially going to be at the mercy of, of hostile intelligence services, drug cartels that would try to, you know, target either the, the cop or their family members for kidnapping, extortion, murder. And my point was, your cure is vastly worse than the disease. Um, and, and I think that this is just something that's not sinking in. Um, now, I, I mentioned a moment ago that one of the reasons that I'm not as concerned about this, at least in the short to medium term, is that because of a Supreme Court decision, or a, uh, I should say an appeals court decision, in the late 1990s in a case called uh, Bernstein v. U.S., this particular professor at the University of California uh, who had developed encryption software that he wanted to basically be in a position to market, uh, the, de the Departments of State and Commerce tried to stop him from doing that, essentially using the munitions acts. Um, and what the courts ruled was, no, uh, source code is speech. That's how it is. You, you cannot interfere with this man's business and his livelihood, um, and, and you, you're interfering with his First Amendment rights here. So that's still good law, which is great. Um, but that doesn't mean that the FBI and the Department of Justice won't still try to find ways to work around it if they possibly can, which is why continual vigilance on this is absolutely necessary. I hadn't considered that angle, that the, the very idea of trying to uh, use backdoors to get investigative material would also place the investigators at risk. Um, but, you know, to the extent that this ends up being uh, a bigger issue, that is to say the FBI is able to advance policies that would uh, threaten your and my ability to speak privately in a modern way, which is really what we're talking about, What's the backstop? The Supreme Court obviously has has made rulings. They'd have they presumably would have to make more. I, I think in the case of, of the Appellate Courts uh, in the Bernstein decision from the 1990s, you know we we have you know really good law going for us there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That being said, um, it would not hurt to have some additional legislative uh, protections here. Um, there are a lot of ways I think that could that could potentially be uh, achieved. I'd like to basically see legislation that would uh, make it explicitly clear that no manufacturer under any circumstances can be forced to build defective products when it comes to encryption or encryption-related technology. I think that would most definitely be helpful. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, some appropriations writers that would prevent the FBI, you know, from trying to essentially push this kind of thing. Uh, if you think about it, the folks that work in their public affairs office and the folks that work in their congressional affairs offices uh, are taxpayer-funded lobbyists and and uh, and propagandists, you know, for all intents and purposes. And I think that um, if they're going to go out and try to do a data collection like this, number one, uh, Congress uh, should prohibit it. Uh, anything, and it may be uh, running afoul of existing law, uh, like the Data Quality Act, for example. 
um, when they're trying to do something like this, because there are specific provisions in that statute that make it clear that taxpayer funds cannot be used uh, essentially to uh, manufacture data that is not objective. And clearly, this is not an objective data collection. So I've, you know, I flagged this uh, development for a number of uh, offices on the Hill, and uh, hopefully we'll get at least some oversight and maybe a little bit more than that before the year is out. There's one related element here when it comes to uh, the FBI effectively needing to compel manufacturers to produce defective merchandise that is defective hardware uh, and defective software. That that doesn't do anything to prevent uh, bad actors from getting access to good encryption that was made somewhere else. That's exactly right. Uh, And the other aspect of this, when you start talking about manufacturers, whether it's here in the U.S. or elsewhere, um, is that forcing them, if they were successful, if if the executive branch were successful in being able to force an Apple or a Google or whoever, uh, to build the kinds of defective products from an encryption standpoint that we're discussing here, that would open those companies up to liability, right? So if, if, if somebody gets, you know, kidnapped or even killed, you know, family members would potentially have a cause of action against against the company. The government, of course, would be shielded, right, from this stuff under sovereign immunity and, and principles like that. So I could see if they if the FBI and Justice Department and the executive branch were successful in this kind of a completely misguided attempt uh, to undermine encryption, I could see a lot of companies walking away from it, you know, just because of the potential liability issues. So that would, in the end, just make all of us more vulnerable. Now, the, the super cynic in me <laughs> has sometimes wondered whether or not that's actually what the FBI is really after uh, in terms of a job security program, you know, that uh, create more crime in order to have more crime to solve. Um, that would be an extremely cynical way to kind of look at this. I think the more realistic way to look at it um, is that the FBI has got blinders on and they are not recognizing that they would, in fact, be creating mass vulnerabilities across multiple economic sectors if they were successful in doing this. And they'd also undoubtedly be uh, putting their own people at risk, you know, if they're using defective technology. Pat Eddington is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 